everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. It has been a couple weeks, but I am still Josh Terry, and my co-host is still Mark LaRocco. He is not erstwhile, as I mistakenly thought. Mm-hmm. We were uh, we were having a discussion about some of these words. Some of just kind of I like to have some fun adjectives to to introduce Mark and to bring him on board. And uh, erstwhile apparently is the wrong adjective. Did you feel offended, Mark? when you learned what erstwhile actually meant. No, I just felt confused because I have, I don't think I've ever used that word, even though I've heard it and I didn't know yeah. what it meant. And so that's when I looked up, looked it up and found out that it meant former. Former. So I think it would be better though, to not, to just not know what the word meant as opposed to not knowing what it meant, but still use it, which is what I was doing. Mm. That's a, you think so? That's a perfectly cromulent way of doing things. So now you're just messing up. I am. That's That was a Simpsons <laughs> reference. That's another made-up word. <laughs> well, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Good, good. Made it back from California. You were enjoying sunny San Diego, Yep. as I recall. Yeah, I went there for my sister's wedding, and unfortunately, because of some family sickness, could not bring the whole family, so I just brought three, my middle three children, and quite an adventure. They love yeah, staying in a hotel, no. going swimming. We went to the beach every day, but it was a little bit of work because I've got a three-year-old. So yeah. 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 I think that that's going to be a little work no matter what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and speaking of work, I have been uh, neck deep in final paper grading. Mm. I'm in the process of wrapping up spring semester and getting ready for summer semester. And, uh, uh, something that we might uh, chat about on this podcast here and there as it seems appropriate. I'm, I'm going to be teaching a, a film class this summer. It's kind of an introduction to film studies type thing. And so uh, I'm basically coming up with a series of favorite movies that I'm going to force my students to watch and enjoy and rave about because if they don't like them, they flunk. They better like Blues Brothers or they're getting <laughs> kicked out of school. That's right. That is right. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, so in the in the interim, in between the last couple of episodes, uh, the movie Guy Ritchie's The Covenant came out, and I posted a review online for that. Uh, so if you read that, thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't read it, I'll let it go this time, but I guess I'll do a quick recap um, because don't have any other new movies to talk about at the moment. I mean, there's some stuff coming out. I think uh, next week we're going to get Guardians 3. Um, but uh, at least I have not seen anything new that's coming out like this coming weekend. Mark, have you seen anything that's coming out? Not recently. Soon? No, we've just been running around and haven't had a chance to late, lately. Yeah, I mean, our, our, our last episode... I mean, we, we went for the hat trick on that one. We did the yeah. Super Mario Brothers and... Renfield and an air, right? Yeah, I went I went out to the theater. I saw Air and then Super Mario Brothers about five four or five days after, so kind of a pretty fun week actually. Well, it, it was they were a fun group of movies and they had nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. I, I when I when I put together the uh, the episode, I was uploading it and thinking what on earth do I call this episode? Because none of these have any kind of common thread or theme or anything. It was so weird. Um, but uh, anyway, I digress. I, 80s. Uh, I mean, Super Mario Brother, uh, Brothers and Air, I feel like are both relics of true. the 80s. True. That yeah. might be the big commonality. 
And uh, the well, when was Nicholas Holt born? I bet he was born in the eighties. Probably, yeah. Probably. Okay. Well, that was the past, and now we're going to talk about the covenant just very briefly. Um, covenant is worth talking about here, even though I have the review posted online. It was a, a very, very gripping movie. Uh, it is the story of a sergeant in Afghanistan, a U.S. sergeant in Afghanistan. This is set about five years ago, I want to say. Um, it's a fictional story, uh, but it's set in the you know the real life uh, uh, war in Afghanistan that uh, was initiated in the aftermath of 9/11, uh, and I guess officially lasted until what about just about two years ago now. Um, the story is about a sergeant who gets basically lost behind enemy lines with his interpreter and the interpreter saves his life in kind of dramatic fashion. Um, but as a result, the interpreter has to go underground with his family. And so uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays the sergeant uh, whose name is uh, Kinley. Uh, his interpreter is Ahmed, uh, played by Dar Salim. And uh, basically it's the you know, the, the culmination of the story is that Kinley has to go back to find his interpreter and kind of pay back this, this life debt, you know, because he saved his life. Um, but then it also has to do with the fact that there was an agreement with the, the Afghani interpreters that if they helped out the U.S. soldiers, that they would be granted passports and passage to uh, immigrate to the United States. And so the movie itself is really, really intense and really, really well done. The, the action, there was, I just, the, the performances, I really, I mean, this is another one of those movies where enjoyed doesn't sound like the right term because it's such a, it was kind of nerve wracking, right? Mm -hmm. Because you really got a sense of how dangerous the situation was, um, uh, but it was it was a very good film. I it's it's actually called Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Like they actually specified that they want us to call it Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. I, I noticed that it's a little odd. Yeah, well, and I don't know if that might be because the movie doesn't really feel like a Guy Ritchie film, except in certain places. You know, he's his his style is so frenetic, and you know, kind of the, the fast paced editing and the quick wit and stuff. You know, stuff like Snatch and the. Uh, the, uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, this movie has little hints of that here and there so that if you know it's him, you'll say, oh, there's a Guy Ritchie bit. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't know he had made it, it wouldn't be your first inclination to think, oh, this is a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah. Um, but like I said, the film itself, very, very well done, very well executed. But there's this shadow over the whole thing. And I think it was intentional on, on Richie's part because you know that regardless of what happens in this specific story, that the withdrawal from Afghanistan is coming only a couple of years later and that the other interpreters and the other people who have, who have helped, uh, you know, because, I mean, my, my, my geopolitics, my history, you know, not, not perfect, but I know that it didn't take long after the withdrawal before the Taliban pretty much took over the country again. Mm -hmm. And so, so there's, there's this vibe to it too. But like I say, I think that that was kind of Richie's intent was to say, Hey, you know, there's this, 
this debt that is owed to these people and here's kind of the story of kind of the sacrifices they made and and uh, you know I, I try to avoid being political or political adjacent on the on the podcast but but there's definitely some uh, you know the reverberations of, of reality uh, are very present in this movie mm. have you have you heard anything about it I like that phrase the reverberations of reality um, well I've got to make I, up for, I for lost ground now <laughs> I have now, now that I now that I proved I don't know what erstwhile means. I need to, I need to uh, boost my vocabulary in other ways. I haven't heard too much about it, other than I I feel like the trailer kind of gives it away. I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen the trailer for it a few times, and it tells the story. And I guess it's fine because it's like you get that probably from yeah. near the beginning. But I don't know in terms of you know reviews or whatever how it's been doing. Yeah. Well. I mean, what I what I described in the plot setup is a lot more than the first thirty minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. a good chunk of the movie is is you know Ahmed's rescue of Kinley, um, but you kind of know that going in. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's. I mean, the I think one of the best compliments I can give it is that even though I effectively knew what was going to happen through most of the movie. Even towards the end, I mean, this this is something I would also say is that when you do get into the third act, the story is pushing in a direction where you think, okay, I think this is about to happen, and so you're anticipating it, but when that thing arrives, it still blows your mind hmm. and is really impressive. So, I think you could basically know the story going into this. And it's a fictional story. I mean, it's not based on a true story. This isn't like Air, right, when we were talking mm-hmm. about a couple weeks ago. Um, but there is still some really great suspense, some great tension. Uh, and uh, I would I would consider it one of the better war movies, yeah. funny enough. So, um, I mean, it is, it is uh, definitely, well, it is R-rated, but it is not, it is not unreasonably R-rated, if that makes sense. This is there. There is profanity in it. There is violence in it. Um, but that's not what makes things tense. Mm-hmm. The the tension is just kind of good story, good filmmaking. Uh, the violence isn't gratuitous. The language is not accented in a way that makes it feel like people are really trying to hammer you over the head with profanity. I mean, this mm-hmm. is. Maybe maybe this is an irrelevant distinction, but I, I've noticed that there are movies where people might be swearing and use, using profanity, and they're doing it because they want to sound tough, right? Yeah. And so it almost seems kind of fake and phony. Mm-hmm. And then there are other times when people are using profanity, you almost don't even notice because they're not trying to hit those words because they're not trying to show off. It's, it's just kind of more, well, this is the way that these people... Yeah, talk in these in these kind of environments and situations and stuff. And so, I don't know. Like I said, I, I mean, it's it's still profanity, and so if that still bothers you, it's still going to bother you. Um, but where there are movies where I think that they are going out of their way to try to be, you know, rough around the edges and and that this feels very sincere. It feels very, you know, I wasn't I wasn't put off by it. In the way that I might with others. Yeah, I, I kind of get like, it. Honestly, I, honestly, even like the profanity in Redfield 
bothered me more than the profanity in this movie. I kind of give war movies a pass for some reason with that. Like, I kind of think, gosh, you're in war. You're either going to kill or be killed, and you're in pretty... Mm -hmm. And these are... I don't know. It just seems like you would talk like that, maybe. You know, <laughs> like people would talk well, like that. Well, and that's what I mean, is that this this feels like it was done more because it was, it was native to the situation, mm -hmm. not because it's, oh, well, this has got to be an R-rated action movie, so we need to make sure everybody's dropping the F-bomb every other word and sounding like a tough guy. You know, that's, it wasn't that. Mm -hmm. So if that makes a difference, there you go. Um, otherwise, you want to keep talking about war movies? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so uh, we, we decided uh, it's been a few weeks, so maybe we're going to have another draft. Um, we're going to do a draft of war movies, and we spent some time talking before the episode about parameters, because when you get on to like Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb and start punching in like top war movies of all time, what you find is that there are a lot of movies on those lists that you wouldn't think of as war movies because they might be movies that are set during a war or they might be kind of adjacent to a war. And so, so we had a little discussion and I think what we're going to do, and you know, tell me if you still agree with this, Mark, is we're just going to, we're just going to leave it wide open and, and we're going to just pick the movies we want to pick. And if we have to, if we have to fight for our choices, we will fight. <laughs> Cause it's a war draft. Cause it's a war draft. And we're, dra and we're, we're going to have a good time. Better not burn That's your, right. better not burn your draft card. Cause you're in it. That's right. That's right. So, so I think, I think we're going to try to go for 10 each, right? Yeah, let's do it. Like that's, that's the idea. So, so we'll see how, uh, how pithy we can be with our choices. And, and if, uh, 45 minutes from now, we're only at choice number five, we might have to curb it a little bit, but I think we can get farther than that. Um, and I don't know any thoughts. I've been talking for a lot. What you got to say, Mark? Uh, I, I just you excited about this. I, yeah, I'm great. I just want to get, uh, you know, get going with it. I, I was, as I was making our list, cause I was thinking like if I could come up with enough movies and then, so I started just thinking about my own favorite movies. A lot of my favorite movies just happen to be war movies and uh, a lot yeah. of movies that I've enjoyed over the years, like, um, I almost feel like there's even a genre within war movies of particular wars that the movies are about, such as the Vietnam sure. War, World War II. So I feel like I have plenty that are going to be left on the table. So we'll see what, what makes the cut. Right, right. Okay, well, and I think uh, I have I have first call, or first, uh, first pick with this one, right? Yep. Okay, well, that's good because as I was putting, coming up with my list, there was really only one movie I felt like I had to have. And so I'm going to go ahead and take it with the number one overall pick. I'm going to pick Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now, oh. 1979. Oh, okay. That's, that's my number one choice. Um, I think we've talked about this one on the, on the podcast before. You know, this is the one that's based on the, the book Heart of Darkness, Joseph Conrad. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, you know the, the ill-fated journey up the river in the middle of the Vietnam War to kill Colonel Kurtz, who's played by Marlon Brando. Um, this is this is the one that Coppola famously said, "This is not about Vietnam. This is Vietnam." Isn't that what he said? Yeah, yeah. Which is Pretty, so uh, funny because really it's the, it's heart <laughs> of darkness. But yeah, I, I understand why he said that. Yeah. No, this this one I have you know I have memories of 
I mean, we actually saw a clip of this in high school, like in my English class. And I remember just being captivated by it. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, a week or two later, I actually rented and watched the whole movie with a couple of buddies at like one o'clock in the morning or something. And yeah, just, just an amazing, you know, amazing movie on so many levels, just visually and the story, the atmosphere of the mood, the performances, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my number one. That's great. Yeah. And it, so. it's got a Harrison Ford appearance. It? Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. I was gonna say that was kind of one of those one of those surprise things because you know it's Martin Sheen and and uh, um, you got Dennis Hopper in there and and Marlon Brando, but then Harrison Ford just kind of yep. kind of pops up there with some some funny looking nineteen seventies glasses. And Martin Sheen doesn't use guns in his movies anymore. He's oh no, he is. Uh, I think that was one of the last movies he did that in. He kind of made a decision not to do that. But yeah, Apocalypse Now is a great one. Have you ever seen Redux, Apocalypse Now Redux? Uh, I've, I have not watched it all the way through, but I have seen pieces of it. I haven't. And I, so I, I know the scenes that were added. Mm-hmm. But then the one that was really tempting, believe it or not. So there was a third version that came out about four years ago. And it was it was kind of a best of both worlds cut because they felt like they Coppola, whoever felt like Redux was a little too much Mm -hmm. and that some of the added scenes were just, you know, there was a reason they were cut in the first place. Right. Yeah. And as my, as I understand it, there was a version that kept some of the new stuff, but paired it back quite a bit. And so it has more than the original cut, but not, it's not bloated. And I came about this close to seeing that at a theater in London when I was there uh, in summer of 2019. I, uh, as a result of, we can't we can't talk this much about every movie. We're never going to. I know, to I know. It, but, <laughs> um, but uh, no, I I got one of those, one of those kind of tourist like city pass like London passes where they give you like 20 tickets to all this random stuff that you can use over like three days. Mm-hmm. And one of them was to go see a movie at one of the local theaters. And I almost tried to use it because there was a, there was a theater in, I think it was in Leicester square that was going to show apocalypse now in IMAX. And I thought, man, now that would be really incredible. And, and as I'm talking about, it, I'm almost kind of regretting that I didn't do it. I think I saw the movie. I saw the movie about Bruce Springsteen instead. Um, <laughs> You mean the one blinded, where the kid... blinded by the light? Yeah, blinded yeah. by the light. Yeah. Hmm. Um, anyway, well, I it's a great movie. Now. Great pick. Yep. Um, it wasn't one of my top, but I, I had it written down. No, too. you're kidding. Yeah, it wasn't wow. on my list. I mean, I had it as sort of a, a later mention, but I yeah, it's quite a quite a okay. film. Um, okay, my number one. If we're gonna go ahead and be open, open minded, okay. is Life Is Beautiful. Um, okay. Okay. It's a Holocaust movie, but it takes place in war. It's got German soldiers. It's got some dead bodies. It's definitely uh, got many references to the war and to what's going on, uh, you know, with the the restrictive laws against Jews and and eventually to where, you know, a bunch of them are hauled away into a camp and a concentration camp. And the, the first half of the movie is more of a romantic comedy, but the second half mm-hmm. really is, takes place in the camp. And that's where the father Guido has to make a game out of it uh, to protect his son, to protect both sort of his innocence and his life. 
Um, and it's just a wonderful, like I consider it to be a perfect film. You know, great music, great performances, a lot, a lot of comedy, but a lot of, um, you know, a lot of emotional scenes. And um, yeah, so I just, I, because it's my favorite movie, I feel like if I'm going to classify it as a war movie, I just, I've got to take it number one. So yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't blame mm-hmm. you. Um, and that's, that was one of the movies that, you know, made me come up with a question, you know, like how do we define a war movie? Because is this a Holocaust movie? Mm-hmm. Is it a war adjacent movie? Um, I will not dispute you choosing life is beautiful. Um, for that reason. And also because that gives me the justification to choose the film that I think we both agree is probably the companion piece, oh. kind of a, kind of a yin and yang to uh, life is beautiful, which would be Jojo rabbit from, from four years ago. Yep. Um, that one kind of a similar type of situation where this is really just kind of examining the people who are impacted by the, by world war two, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how, you know, the repercussions in their lives. And, and this one of course is, you know, about a, a kid who, you know, really innocent, what is he 10, 11 years old and he's in, he's in Nazi Germany and he's a member of the Hitler youth and just wants to be part of something. And, uh, you know, so it's, you know, this is Taika Waititi really at his best as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so there's, he, you know, the kid, the kid has this, you know, <laughs> is imaginary buddy just happens to be this really comic over the top version of Hitler. Um, played, which, played by the director. Taika played, played by the director. And I don't know if, if you have not seen this movie, you really just have to trust us on it because when you say it out loud, when you describe it, it sounds just really bizarre and right. You know, but, uh, but I, I would still say that as many movies as I genuinely enjoyed and really loved in 2019, I think Jojo Rabbit is still number one. So yeah, if that says anything, then oh. it says something and there you go. So yeah, well, I guess so my number two, Jojo Rabbit, I guess you're getting me back for Rocky. Cause that was my, that would have been my number two. So that's off the board. Um, I, okay. I love that movie too. I, it's probably my favorite movie of the last five years or so. Um, I think I would echo that. Yeah, it's so good, so funny, a lot funnier than Life Is Beautiful, um, and uh, but yeah, kid, kid in more movies. I think I've spoken on the podcast mm-hmm. before how that's sort of I'm sort of a sucker for that genre. Um, okay, so my next pick, which I've also picked before, in our Hank's draft, uh, or was it our Spielberg draft? Anyway, it's Saving Private Ryan, which is also cool. a 1998 movie. So I apparently that was a good year for me, for me and my. My war movies, um, <laughs> but just sort of the classic American soldiers, you know, ordinary men in extraordinary times, uh, saving a fellow soldier. Um, yeah. Lots of heroism, bravery, sacrifice. It's not some war movies, and I think we'll get to some later in our list, are really anti-war movies. And I, right. I think this one, it can be classified an anti-war movie just because, and this is pointed out in the movie itself, of just the utter absurdity of the math of sending eight guys into a, a war zone to find one person, find one guy, you know. But also, it just it's such a rousing anthem to, like, American bravery, the whole thing. And, yeah. and Spielberg, like, dedicated it to his father and his father's generation, you know, also called The Greatest Generation. And really is one of the best movies I've ever seen and quite graphic, especially the first 25 minutes, but 
Yeah, um, very much so. The whole thing is people make a big deal out of that. I can't remember the 23-minute opening scene. That's just the storming of the uh, beach at Normandy. But there's a lot, a lot in the movie that's definitely war violence, uh, justifiable R rating, you know. Um, but I like, and I, I do think it's one of Spielberg's best, one of his two or three best movies. So yeah, there we go. That's well, my I, number two. I thought you would have chosen that number one, but yeah, the, I mean, again, if we're kind of widening the parameters, yeah. it does make sense that you'd go with Life Is Beautiful first. So. Uh, but I am now going to throw what I think is going to be a curveball because I don't think you would be expecting me to pick this. Okay. This also has to do with our widened parameters because I'm going to go with a Cold War movie. So this is this is a war movie, but it's a Cold War movie. Um, I'm going to go with The Hunt for Red October. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that most people by now have seen this one. I think this is a pretty well celebrated and you know well known movie, but uh, you know it's kind of a uh, cat and mouse game with a top secret submarine, and you know you got the well. Well, basically, Sean Connery is playing a Russian submarine commander who is trying to. Should I say it? Yeah, I mean, it's this is like 35 years Yeah, go ahead. I don't have to worry about spoiling it. He's, he's trying to defect, and he's the commander of this top-secret submarine that can basically... It's, it's, it's kind of like the submarine version of the stealth bomber, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, um, so he is trying to defect, and his, all of his countrymen, of course, launch to chase him down and stop him. Um, meanwhile, on the American side, uh, this is, this is the first Jack Ryan movie. So this was, this was based on, uh, oh my gosh, what's that guy's name? The author who does all Tom Clancy, Tom Clancy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Tom Clancy novel. Uh, and this is one of the first movies I saw Alec Baldwin in. Uh, he plays uh, Jack Ryan and he, so he's the CIA analyst who figures out that this is what Connery is trying to do is defect. And so he has to like meet up with the American military, you know, the, the submarine commander, who I think is, is it Scott Glenn? I think and, so. Uh, so basically it's this, this tense, like, you know, how are we going to pull this off without starting world war three? And Holy cow, just such a, such a great movie. In fact, I could be wrong on this. I think John McTiernan is the director. Who's the same guy who directed the first die hard. I think so. And, that makes sense because both of those movies just work. Mm-hmm. They just work, you know? Um, but yeah, no, this, this is one of those ones that I, I usually try not to rewatch movies too often, but this is one, this is one of those ones where I find myself with the inclination to watch it quite often. Yeah. Um, whether I follow through or not, it's one of those, Oh Yeah. Oh, that's a good movie. That'd be fun to watch. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going uh, on for October. Great pick. Yeah, that's another one I didn't have, but it's a it's sort of a classic. That uh, it, uh, man, that would be a great one to show the kids too. I'm wondering if it's I'm trying to remember what's what's kind of content is in it, but I think it would be fine. It's, well, it might be a little is, tense. Um, yeah, there's a lot of tension. There's, I mean, I think there's some profanity. Mostly, I think that there is some there's some violence 
that I mean it's still kind of PG PG thirteen level. Yeah. But like I think that that early on in the movie, Connery kills one of his like I think it might be the uh one of the Soviet um oh what do you call it? The uh the police, the KGB? The KGB. Yeah. Like I think there's like a KGB representative on the on the boat or something and so he like has to kill him so that they can get away and mm. so it's a little yeah you know a little mean. violent but uh i yeah that's a that's a good one okay well i yeah. i'm gonna pick a movie that's actually about the same time uh, that was okay. red october was 1990 mine's an 89 movie right. and it's glory we haven't oh. done civil war yet that's right and that's right. uh that's a movie that's one of the first that may be, I mean, I don't remember for sure, but that may be like the first real war movie that I, I've seen. Um, I'm sure I saw it very young. And uh, remember it was showed in our eighth grade English class and uh, I had to buy it, which was kind of unusual for me at the time. And it was, I was on VHS and mm. it's got Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman. And it's just a great story about an all black regiment in the Civil War kind of some of the stuff that they go through and has amazing music by the Harlem Boys Choir and James Horner. And so I, of course, I had to get the soundtrack too because it was so good. Um, choral, speaking of choral music, I remember the Russian national anthem uh, from Hunt for Red October was quite yeah. good. That was, yeah. that was pretty stirring. Anyway, I love Glory, so that's my number three. Yeah, no, Glory's a good one. I, I remember that one and it was... That was on my list. It wasn't. It wasn't at the you know near the top of my list. But uh, I've got a big list here, mm. and uh, I don't think none of us have. We haven't really stolen each other's about. picks except for Jojo Rabbit. So, well, I think by widening the parameters, there's going to be a lot less of that this time. Um, okay, so now things are getting a little more fuzzy, but I'm going to go with the Deer Hunter. Oh, have okay. you seen the Deer Hunter? I have. Yeah. Yeah, that one is it's one of those ones that i mean compared to some of the other ones we've chosen it's definitely much more of a war movie because there is a lot that takes place in vietnam while you know at a, at a pow camp um but this one uh i want to say it was is 78 79 yeah. something in there 78 um yeah and it's got uh um robert de niro uh, christopher walken john voight um John Voight, right? John Cazale. It's, I think John Cazale. John Voight was in Coming in Home. Is John Voight in it? I thought he was in not, Coming Home. Not. I mean, John Cazale, Cazale was, yeah. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong on John Voight. No offense, Mr. Voight. <laughs> I mean, it, it, uh, probably he'd be flattered, right? Because this is a great movie to be part of. Um, anyway, so the movie is about a group of friends who I think are from Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and they're all kind of like in mining country kind of a kind of a blue collar town and and the movie kind of toggles back and forth between the time in a pow camp in vietnam and their time back home and and i mean the, the the long and short of it is that after they get back from the war christopher walken is so you know i i presume it they have to call it ptsd and he winds up kind of getting into the underground uh, back in kind of the, in East Asia. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, for the sake of anybody who hasn't seen it, we don't have to go into too much detail, but he, he gets into some, some pretty bad stuff. And, and this is, this is one of those heartbreaker movies. It's hard. Like this one, hard yeah, to watch. this, this one, uh, I, I won't give away any endings, but I, I'll say that this one is going to, a downer be tough it's a, yeah it's one of those but, the first casualty of war is innocence movies right <laughs> right, right. they go and, off all uh, idealistic and then things change right no it is a uh but but at the same time in spite of that just so moving and so you know just really powerful i remember just kind of being blown away by that one um so yeah the deer hunter okay Wow, great pick! Yeah, that one. That was a. That was that's a tough watch, but I mean, that was the best picture winner too. I think that probably the first one we've named. Well, that is. and and maybe, you know, just for the sake of anybody who is interested, it's not necessarily a hard watch because it's really graphic or super R rated. Like it's it's more like what's happening and and kind of the descent of of these characters, especially Watkins' character. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, to, you know, does, it, does that line up with what you, what you found? I mean, yeah. am I missing, am I forgetting something? No, no, no. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's just, it, it's, it's, it's a pretty hard to watch movie in terms of like, you see being innocence being shattered and, and people's lives being destroyed and, yeah. um, and so it's, it's tough, but like, it's, I think it's pretty realistic and. There's just a whole spate of sort of anti-war Vietnam movies that came out in the late 70s. You've already named Apocalypse Now, which was the year after. And Coming Home yeah. is a, is sort of a post-war movie with John Voight that came out that same year, 1978, as The Deer okay. Hunter. That was when John Voight won the Oscar. And um, anyway, there's there was a bunch of movies sort of in that that time frame, but these are these are among the best. Okay. Nice. So I'm going to take a left turn here. I guess I'm going back to, to World War II, but this movie has sort of, I would say, a completely different tone from all the other movies we've named. Um, and it's a revisionist history movie, and it's called Inglorious Bastards. Ah, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> I just loved it. Oh, my gosh. It was so unexpected. Um, and it was sort of the first, it may not be the first one, but, like, see, Tarantino had had started this i don't know if he started this trend but at least in his own you know movies he he began this revisionist history style of of telling a story that we kind of knew a little bit but then changing the ending uh, yeah. he's kind of a revenge fantasy fantasist i don't even know if that's a word he loves revenge movies he's talked about him a lot yeah and uh, if you look at a lot of his movies, even these revisionist history movies, they all have to do with getting revenge on people who he thinks deserve it, deserve some mm-hmm. kind of vengeance. And so this movie, you know, Hitler meets a different end than he did in, in real life, for example. Um, but it's, it's quite entertaining, and it has several kind of interlocking storylines. Um, it has one of the best openings I've ever seen in any movie. I've watched it right, multiple right. times where uh, this sort of, you know, evil Nazi, Hans Landa, played by Christoph Waltz, goes to a farmhouse where he's assigned to question the people there to find out if they're hiding Jews or not. And the, the dialogue between the, the two, between the, the farmer and Colonel Landa, is just, it's just so dead on. And it's so tense. Um, 
and there's some very long takes and then where the camera goes, you know, you're just holding your breath for, for long periods of time. Anyway, but the movie, uh, it's just, it's really good, but it's also very violent. Um, and, uh, you know, not, not for everyone's taste. And in fact, when my wife and I watched it, we saw it on TNT or TBS or whatever. And so we saw the cable edited version and it was still, I still think that probably should be our, even that version of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just like, like every Tarantino movie, at least for me, it's just never not entertaining. Um, so that's my pick. Yeah, no, that, that one, that one was on my list also. That one is a, yeah, I mean, it, it's so, I mean, you, you would almost have to say that of all the movies we've picked so far, that was the one that has the most unique personality. Right. Like there's, there's a, such a distinctive style uh, to it that, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe will be familiar to you if you've seen a lot of Tarantino's movies, but, you know, compared to a lot of other war movies, certainly ones on this list. It when uh, it stands, it stands on its own. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to take another. I don't. I mean, the movies we're throwing around here, which really have very little in common, except the fact that they are. They were calling them war movies, quote unquote <laughs> war movies. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with The Great Escape. That one. Oh. Uh, I want to say this came out in the early '60s. I want to say like '62, '63. Uh, this one is an old favorite. Uh, it is you know, pretty much lives up to its title. It's about a group of uh, allied POWs in World War II who are all at the same camp. And the, well, the premise is that rather, you know, there are a group of POWs who have been constantly trying to escape and have been do digging tunnels and have been you know, like the problem children of the POW, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so the German army puts all of the bad eggs in one camp. And so this leads to, and I think this was based on a true story, or at least inspired by a true story. Mm -hmm. um, but basically all of the greatest escape artists among the POWs come together on this plan to bust everybody out of, you know, yeah. out of this camp. And you've got, you know, Steve McQueen, I think, is probably the biggest, biggest name coming out of it. Um, but you've got uh, James Garner is mm -hmm. one of the other Americans. Um, and now, of course, I'm blanking on He's the man who gets things for people, right? Yeah, Garner. right. And right. you got Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson's yeah. in it. He's one of the main, like, tunnel diggers. He's That's like, his specialty. Uh, Richard Forger. Richard Attenborough. Yeah. yeah. So he is, he is one of the kind of the higher ups um, among the British POWs and probably, I would say that like those three are probably, those three or four are probably the biggest, uh, biggest actors to come out of it. But just such a, I mean, compared especially to these other movies we've been discussing, this one came from an era that was, it was not, this is not an anti-war movie at all. It's not really celebrating war either. It's more just kind of there's there's kind of a there's an upbeat vibe to it. I mean, it's it's a very moving kind of dramatic it's, film, and the story has some twists and turns that are kind of hard to take at times. But it but it definitely you know it's a little more on like the John Wayne end of the spectrum as far as kind of the pump your fist. Well, you know it is, but then it doesn't go that way the whole movie that's where i when i when i saw the movie right because right. i i've 
think I've only, I've maybe only seen it twice, and I saw it the first uh, time maybe like five years ago or so, and I, I have it, and I didn't know the story at all. I just, I went into it completely cold, you know, I didn't know it, and so, and it's, it does have a lot of fun elements to it, and they've, all the different, it's almost like a heist movie for a while, like, like an yeah. Ocean's Eleven type movie, where they've got all the, their different roles, each person has their different job, and how yeah. to, you know, do, figure out to a way to escape and um it's got bits of humor in it but then it 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 goes a little, maybe a little different direction in some ways than, than you want it to um and of course steve mcqueen has to ride a motorcycle because i think that he demanded that so that was added <laughs> you know <laughs> um, hey i'm glad he did based he, on the results i'm glad he did yeah i think we talked about that before like how christopher walken always has to have a dance scene and Jack Black maybe has to sing. I don't know, but you know, McQueen's got to be on a motorcycle or in a really fast car. Um, yeah. That's just his, you know, what he wanted to do on screen. But it's a great, yeah, it's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Yeah. Tarantino's a big fan of it too. He he stuck a scene in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he superimposed oh, right. Leonardo that's DiCaprio right. over the McQueen yes. role. Yes, yes. And you, if you do a side by side comparison, it's like exact, basically. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. Okay. What you got? What's your next one? Okay. I actually was gonna, I was gonna save this one for a couple, but I don't, I don't think you're gonna pick it. But since you did that one, I'm like, I'm gonna pick a similar type movie, okay. at least similar, uh, you know, era, and it's The Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, um, which yeah, I was thinking of that too. I understood yeah. that was one of my grandpa's favorite films. My my grandpa was also kind of a film buff, but unfortunately, he he died when I was 16, so I never. It's not like we had a lot of really talked about it but i watched a a vhs version that my grandma had that was my grandpa's version of that's when you know back when everything was on vhs this is an old this is a 1957 movie um directed by david lean and um it's a movie about a bunch of uh, british prisoners of war who are in a camp uh like a japanese a camp run by the japanese and Mm -hmm. um there's kind of a little standoff between like the Japanese and, and the Brits in what they can do and whether the Geneva conventions are being followed and how they're supposed to build this bridge. And for example, you're not um, one of the codes of, of war is you're not supposed to make them do manual labor. And so, and they, the Japanese do that anyway to the British prisoners of war and the Colonel doesn't like it. Um, but he also doesn't want to disobey orders and, um, you know, so the bridge is getting built, but they're also sort of intentionally perhaps sabotaging it. And so it's sort of a cat and mouse game. And, and that's why it kind of reminded me of, of The Great Escape, because it's essentially the protagonists are prisoners of war. Um, it's a lot less fun and funny, maybe I would say, than The Great Escape. Right. It's more of a serious right. film. Um, but it's, it's quite a good and it's to me, it's a sort of an all time classic um, like the great escape. It was a, the best picture winner of that year of 1957 as well. Um, yeah. and you, and you mentioned that Alec Guinness is in it, right? Uh, I didn't mention that, but he is. Yeah. yeah. He, he's the, he's, I mean, he's the lead. He's the lead. He's the lead. Yep. And he's of course more famously known as Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he, um, which I think he really, really resents. He does resent that. <laughs> I'm sure he tried to bring up bridge on the river quite a star Wars fans all the time and they didn't care. <laughs> no, he probably didn't. But, you know, I've heard that he hated it and he didn't like the fan mail and all that. Um, yeah. But that was his, 
that was that's probably maybe his biggest movie pre-star wars i don't know i might be missing yeah. something oh, yeah. no um, i i would agree with that it was a it was a big hit and i'm just trying to think it was he and guns of navarone but this would be bigger than that yeah. um yeah i don't remember if he was in that anyway yep okay so see after all this weird back and forth we've been doing this one almost seems a little bit disappointing but uh, i still feel inclined to pick it I mean, we'd feel pretty stupid if none of us did. Okay. Um, I'm going to get Platoon. Oh, my gosh. I, I was going to pick that. That's funny. I went with Bridge on the Reply. <laughs> yeah, Platoon. Okay. Uh, I, I wouldn't feel bad about having Bridge on the Reply. That was, that was a good one, too. That one. Um, but, yeah, Platoon. I mean, uh, like I said, it sounds like I'm hesitant here just because, and I, I think the reason is because we've picked a number of movies that are, like you said, the anti-war vietnam films and platoon is you know at or near the top of that list this is the one um from oliver stone about 1986 i mm. want to say you got charlie sheen and willem dafoe and tom berenger play kind of this trio of very very different uh different people like sheen is kind of the rookie you know he's just first arrived in vietnam and yeah berenger and and uh dafoe, dafoe are kind of like polar opposites where, mm -hmm. you know, they're, I, I mean, I think that the idea is they're supposed to be kind of representing like different sides of humanity and, and stuff. And, and it's, I mean, as far as the story, I mean, it, it really follows the path of just kind of the exploration of what happens when you are taken out of, you know, your first world civilization and kind of put in this, this chaotic, yeah. you know, killer be killed type of type of environment. Um, but the thing that sticks with me the most by far is, you know, which I don't know. Cause I mean, I, I think there might be people who would want to watch this. And so I don't want to spoil it too much just in case, but um, there's a very iconic scene I would say round about the third act that that I remember watching and I'd already been kind of familiar with it before I watched the movie, but when I saw it played out, it really just really was amazing. Um, that's a appropriately vague. Yeah. Way of I think I know what you're talking it. about. Cause it's based yeah. on a real event, right? A real thing. That um, happened, or? Well, I don't know that, but mm. I mean, the, the imagery is kind of the imagery that's used to advertise the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I and know you're talking so, about that one is, yeah. I don't think that one is real. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of, like I said, I, I would not say platoon is my favorite war movie, but I would feel weird not counting it among the best yeah so there's no tune i i agree 100 percent. i was i would have i was i don't know why I, I i should have picked that one five but i that was definitely going to be one of my picks and it's a uh, one of those movies that um there was an oh i can't remember the other movie there was an older war movie that came out um i believe in the 70s that uh Tr true basically said that there's no such thing as an anti-war movie. Francois Truffaut, mm -hmm. French film director, he said, because um, anytime you're 
showing war, you're glorifying it. You're glorifying the the bravery or whatever and the heroism in war. And so you really can't make an anti-war movie. And then when Roger Ebert gave his review of Platoon, he said, he said something like Truffaut might change his mind after seeing this movie, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And, and then he, he proceeds to list sort of a litany of bad things that happen in the movie that have to do with war that all, and a lot of it is stuff that Charlie Sheen either goes through or witnesses just in the first uh -huh. like hour. And, um, it's, it's pretty horrific. And it's, Supposedly, a lot of that stuff happened to Oliver Stone or his fellow soldiers when he wrote the movie because he was in the Vietnam War. Yeah. And he wrote it yeah. and directed it. So, hmm. Okay. All right. I think, uh, I think you're up, and this is your number six choice. Yeah, or... this is my number six. I think yeah. I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with The Killing Fields. Oh, um, okay. That's a movie that came out in 1984, and it's got uh, Hying S. Noor, who was a real, uh, I believe he was a a, a, a a real refugee from uh, Cambodia, and uh, he ended up winning the Oscar for that movie. And it's it's basically about his escape from the Khmer Rouge and his attempts to be saved by American dip, diplomats at the embassy. And, but then the embassy was sort of run over, taken over, and he wasn't able to get the necessary papers and proper ID that was convincing enough, even by people trying to, you know, good foragers in order to be allowed to leave. And so he had to find his own way. And it's an, it's a pretty, it's another quite harrowing tale of just sort of one man's journey through, um, war-torn lands uh, taken over by the Khmer Rouge as they're just ravaging the, the land and enslaving the people or, you know, re-educating them. Um, and a lot of the stuff that he has to do to survive is kind of sickening. And um, it's got John Malkovich and uh, uh, Sam Watterson, the Law and Order guy. Okay. And then Julian Sands is in it who sadly is still missing. He's the actor who went missing in January, hiking in the hills of San Gabriel Mountains near Los Angeles, and he still hasn't been found. So um, he, uh, anyway, uh, just a, kind of a weird side note. But yeah, it's a really yeah. good movie. It's one of those movies I, I saw. Um, I think I had already seen it, but I also saw it in my film class and did sort of an assignment on it at, at Utah State. And um, that was that was that sort of magical year, 1984, that we've talked about in the past. That many of movies that were some of my favorite movies and also very influential movies all came out within that same year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's getting interesting now. I know we haven't haven't had too much overlap. Couple, but not well, a lot. And see, like right now, I'm looking at a big list of movies that I I like them all individually. But there's not like a not one that oh, stands I have to out. Have that one next. Well, I mean, yes and no. They're all they're all very different, but the priority isn't obvious. Mm. So I'm gonna go with Gettysburg. Oh, okay. The uh, the one that I want to say this is like four hours long, early early 1990s thereabouts, and it's you know it's a dramatic retelling of the Battle of Gettysburg. Super, super detailed. I mean, the reason it's so long is because they really just kind of lay things out over the. I mean, was it was a three day battle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and 
they really just kind of walk you through all the steps and all the logistics and stuff. And there's just a lot of characters to cover. And, um, you know, I remember this is one of those ones that we had like the double VHS, right? Like the, because it was such a, such a long movie, but, but this was a kind of a, kind of a cool one. Um, I mean, it's, I want to say it's PG, PG 13. It's not, it's certainly not an R rated movie. Um, but it, I mean, it is, it is a war movie and it, it definitely kind of captures the, the atmosphere of what was going on, but, uh, you know, maybe kind of bust out of this Vietnam world mm. war two groove, you know, you, you picked glory. So, uh, here's another civil war one for yeah. us. Okay. But, uh, have you, have you seen Gettysburg? I haven't that. That's a, that's a good one. That it's might good be one. the first movie on our list that I have not seen. I, I don't think I've seen that one. No. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with The Pianist. Ooh, okay. Uh, another World War II movie. Hopefully the last one I pick. I'm trying to look at my list. I'm like, gosh, I have so many. I think this would be Well, that's what I mean, one. right? Because um, I can see a whole bunch of movies that I like, but it's, well, I don't want to just be redundant. Right. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a great movie about a, P- a Polish pianist who is, you know, stuck in, in World War II and uh, has to figure out a way to escape. And he, um, gosh, I got, I got to quit spoiling these movies. Anyway, just watch it. It's, <laughs> it's really good. It's got Adrian Brody. It's a Roman Polanski movie. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe you've boycotted him, but I think this was worth seeing. Um, this one came out in 2002 and uh, kind of an unusual pick because he like Brody hasn't really done a ton of big work before or since like he usually doesn't star in a movie you know he plays a lot of supporting roles it seems like but this was his sort of his vehicle yeah yeah and uh yeah it's very good interesting um I'm trying to remember if I've seen that one or not if I it might be one of those bits and pieces and if it was, those bits and pieces were a long, long time ago. If you, I, I've I, got a bunch of these movies I'm mentioning. I have that one, like on DVD. So if you ever want to see it, it's well, definitely worth it. Maybe we'll have to have an exchange then. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm going to go with something to represent. Because honestly, like I say, all these movies that I still have on my list, they're all good movies. And I'm not going to be brokenhearted if one or the others doesn't make it. So I'm going to try to diversify a little here, going to diversify the portfolio, and I'm going to pick Black Hawk Down, which I want to say was set in the 1990s, wasn't it? It's yeah. a 2000s movie, um, but uh, maybe just to kind of reflect a more recent conflict. I mean, we've already been talking about the Covenant lately, and, mm-hmm. and you know, in this episode, but uh, Black Hawk Down, like I said, I want to say this is based on a true story set in the 1990s about a Black Hawk helicopter. Uh, it's, it's trying, it's, this is kind of one of those situations where we're not officially at war, but we have troops in, was it Somalia? It's Somalia. Yep. Yeah. And in the, in the course of action, the helicopter crashes and the, uh, the bad guys in the city just kind of swarm the crash site. And so it's kind of a rescue mission movie, but also you know, it's, I mean, it's one of those, in a way it does kind of remind me of the covenant in that 
one of the distinctive features of it is this idea of characters being in a very unfamiliar, foreign, and threatening place mm -hmm. that you're just cheering for them to escape. And I mean, that's, that's very much what's going on in both of those movies. And, and cause you, you saw Black Hawk Down, yeah. right? Yeah. I was going to say, I think, I think that one's pretty, you know, lots of people pretty familiar with that one. Very, very distinctive visual style. You know, there's a, there's a kind of that desaturated, uh, gritty, like lots of lots of dust everywhere. Yeah, you know, and and that was Ridley a, Scott, a cast right? of thousands. Yeah, 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 I think so. That was uh, that one was hard for me to um, tell everybody apart. I remember thinking uh, to see if I could watch that again with subtitles. I think I would enjoy it more because I the soldiers kind of all look the same to me, and so it was confusing. But um, yeah, it's one I probably need to revisit. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if I can help you with that one the way you can help me with the pianist. I'm, not <laughs> sure if I have, I'm trying to remember if I have a copy of that one or not. Anyway. Okay. So I'm going to pick a recent movie again. Okay. Um, about World War One. But Ooh, it's I don't not. Know what it is? It's not All Quiet on the Western Front, which was the very oh, recent movie. This is 1917. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. what I thought. Uh, this was a cool movie because um, this was a, a one-take movie. Not really, but they direct it to look like that. Right. Um, to make the entire movie look as if it's in, it was all filmed in one shot, one long continuous shot. And um, yeah. really cool movie. I mean, it's like, because it's, it, you know, the only complaint that I've heard, which is, I guess I could understand it, is it's sort of like a video game. Uh, where it's, you know, you have maybe one view that you're looking at the whole time. And it's not quite true because it's not like, say, a point of view of, of the main character, or it's not as if the camera's always pointed at the same thing. The camera swoops around and moves around and looks at different things. But the, the sort of the, the gimmick, if you want to use that word, is, is it, it doesn't yeah. cut. There's no visible right. cuts. Um, and so it's quite intense. And so it's a real-time movie. You know, it supposedly takes place in two hours or whatever, um, where a soldier has to go and find a whole other group of soldiers and warn them of an impending, um, I can't remember if it's an ambush or if it's a, uh, an attack, an attack that well, they, is going so to happen. So they, yeah, they yeah. are planning an attack, but the enemy is aware of the attack and is going to be ready for them. That's, that's right. what they need to be warned of. That's what right? they need to be warned of. Yeah. Yeah. And but then, I mean, at the, at the risk of, yeah. So I don't think it was entirely, I mean, most of it is played out in real time, but wasn't there a, a spot where there's a spot the guy, in the middle. Like, gets, he gets knocked out. Yeah. And supposedly like a few hours pass because. The oh, you're right. Is you're like, right. It's the next, it's the following morning when it's supposed to, the attack's supposed to happen. So the the movie is supposed to cover like the entire Ten hours night. Or something. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that because it blacks. That's right. The screen goes black, and then there's so there is a period of time that passes between yeah. from one scene to the other. But, but I mean, the concept is the same though. I mean, it's it's played out like you're there the whole time and you're following it as yeah. it happens. Almost as so. you black out too, as a viewer, you know, and then wake up with yeah. him, this right. guy. Um, but it's anyway, it was cool. 
and, and I, it's kind of another special memory because that was a movie that I, I drove down to um, Farmington, to Centerville, to see with my dad and my, uh, one of his friends and my, my nephew. And that was in February of 2020. And that was the last movie we saw before COVID. Uh, um, so we didn't go to a movie for several months after that. I think I saw yeah, Tenet after yeah. that. But it was, that would have been, you know, a three, or, three weeks or so before COVID, you know, the lockdowns happened um right, right. anyway so that's my cool. number well, good choice eight. good choice okay so oh man a lot of these are just okay you know what? i'm i'm gonna take dr strange love okay it's it's another cold war one i mean there is you know lots of gunfire and craziness and stuff and uh i mean i guess <laughs> a bomb does get dropped eventually but uh <laughs> <laughs> dr strange of just just too good to pass up course i don't know you could say that about so many of these movies uh this one's stanley kubrick 1962 i want to say uh adapted from a book um and it's about the idea of what if someone in the military chain of command just decides to go nuts and what well, doesn't decide to go nuts it goes nuts and decides to push the button so to speak and starts world war three and this one has, well, I mean, I think one of the most, I mean, it, it is a, it's a black comedy. It's absolutely hilarious, but also just kind of dark and, you know, foreboding and all this. But then one of the things I'll always remember about it is that Peter Sellers plays three roles and was originally going to play four, if I remember correctly. Um, because he plays the president of the United States. He plays the the guy who is with the guy who goes crazy. I'm trying to remember all the names here. Um, and he plays Strange Love. The but then he was yeah, but yeah. then he was also going to be on the bomber. He was going to have a role on the bomber, but something happened. Okay. And he only has only had the three roles. So, you know, you do what you can. Sometimes life goes your way and sometimes you can only play three roles in a movie. So there it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another classic. That's another, uh, well, have we picked any Kubrick? No, I guess we haven't. Um, but that's well, and, the, and there's another Kubrick that I'm thinking of, yeah. right. That, that I, I don't know, but it, it would feel kind of redundant. At this <laughs> yeah. That, that's an interesting one. I remember, I think one reason I didn't quite get that movie is I remember reading about it as a comedy. And it, I don't know I saw, I just didn't, I saw it at the wrong age and it just didn't laugh. I didn't think it was funny, you know, and cause it's a, it's a black comedy or it's a, it's yeah. a satire and it wasn't really a laugh out loud comedy for me. Right. right. Um, but it's, I mean, you look at a lot of lists of great movies of all time and great films of the sixties and it's always up there. It's always very yeah. high. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm going to pick a movie I don't think is on your list, but we're getting near the end. And I, I just, I kind of want to squeeze these ones in. Um, this okay. is a movie called No Man's Land um, huh. that came out in 2001. And it was kind of one of those shocker foreign language film winners because it was the same year as Amelie. So Ooh. this movie won. And I remember I, that was how I had heard about it was that through the Oscars. I'm like, oh, that won and it wasn't supposed to. Amelie was supposed to win. Okay. So I went and checked it out and ended up buying it. And it's a really cool movie um, about sort of this 
these two soldiers that get caught in this no man's land of, uh, during this Bosnian war, like Bosnian conflict. And they're, they're sort of, so they're in this area where they're really, neither one's really supposed to be there. And then they have to survive. And then there's a soldier who is um, unconscious, like near them and falls on a landmine. And they are stuck and have to figure out what to do because the, the landmine could be set off and just kill all of them. And then it becomes like an international incident and the news gets involved. There's like a journalist there, like close to the scene reporting on it. And both sides of the conflict are trying to figure out what to do. And they end up, these soldiers end up talking and realizing they have a little bit more in common than they thought. And, need, and they both don't want to be there, you know, like, and it's such a cool little kind of a smaller film in some ways. Um, but such a cool movie and a cool ending. Uh, and it was kind of just a hidden gem of a movie because nobody had heard about it. I've never even really heard anyone talk about it since before or since. And it, and it, it was, I mean, I thought it was really, really good. Um, and so it's a, oh, one. I think that was the same year as Black Hawk Down. I can't remember, but that was an early, early 2000s movie too. Um, if I remember right, maybe not, but yeah, No Man's Land. It's yeah, from, uh, yeah, Bosnia, the Bosnian movie. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. So no, but I I love the idea of pitching new movies. Mm -hmm. So good job. So this is it, right? This is my number ten. Yeah, this is it. Okay. So there's going to be a little redundancy here. Um, but this is also going to serve as a way of making up for something that I think I forgot in our last draft. Because oh. I don't remember talking about this in our last draft, and it would also qualify for the previous draft. So, I'm just going to say it. Victory. You ever, ever heard of Victory? I don't think I have. Victory. Okay. 1981-ish, give or take. And the plot, get ready for this. It is Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, and Pele playing soccer against Nazis. Is this a real movie? This is a real movie. <laughs> okay. And I think, I think it was inspired by a true story. So, and I know, I mean, it sounds hilarious, but the funniest thing about it is that it works. It's okay. a good movie. It's a really good movie. And, and like I said, I think it, it would have qualified for my sports draft. But yeah. I can't remember if I brought it up. I might have. No, I, I don't. I just didn't get far. That I don't far think you list. ever brought it up. Yeah. Okay. So, so what happens is it's another POW movie. And so it's in a POW camp and Stallone and Kane and Pele and all these people who are actually real life soccer stars of the period. Um, they're all in the same camp. And so as a propaganda type of public relations type thing, uh, the German, you know, the you know, German military, whatever, sets up a scrimmage between the POWs and like the German national team or something like that. But then they decide to hold, hold it in like this big venue so that they can like make the most of, you know, because we're going to beat down the allies and I, I think the I think the idea is that 
well, we know that these guys are in a POW camp, and so they're going to be in terrible shape, and so the German national team is going to go and destroy them, and this and that. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's there's very much kind of like a sports angle to it. But at the same time, the POWs realize that this might be an opportunity to mount an escape. And so that's kind of like the thrust of the, the, the plot is that they're going to see if they can use this um, this exhibition as a way to escape their POW status. Oh my so, gosh. Um, I, I'm going to have to check that one out. Honestly, like, like I said, I mean, it sounds ridiculous and silly and so dumb if you just kind of describe it in its bare bones elements, but it's a fun, really good, really cool movie. I mean, it's, it's not going to be, I mean, we can only loosely call it a war movie under, under our current expanded parameters. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they're World War II POWs and they're trying to escape imprisonment and uh, they just happen to be playing soccer with <laughs> Pele. <laughs> That's funny. You notice how we haven't really, when we're talking war movies, we don't, we, we don't really go ancient. And I, by the way, I'm not planning to. I was just thinking about that. Like a movie like well, Braveheart or Gladiator. Yeah, Braveheart uh, is know, on is on my list, but I, I just it's just not just couldn't squeeze one it of in. my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, well, and that's that's it. Is like I do like it, but I'm looking at some of these and just thinking, I don't like them enough. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're good movies, but I just I don't. If I'm picking my favorite war movies, it's not one of my favorite war movies. Yeah, it's still a good movie, but you know, whatever. Um, Master and Commander was kind of an older one. That one was yeah. kind of a surprise. I mean, that is that's kind of naval battles, you know, back in the that might have been, been like the 18th century, I think, is when that was set. Right, um, and that's kind of going through a reappraisal. I've been reading about that a little bit yeah. about being yeah. that movie being sort of even underappreciated for its time, and it still did well, and it was like, you know, yeah, yeah, critically acclaimed movie. Okay. Uh, okay, let's see. What's, your, what's your last one? Number ten. Okay, so I have four. I have four movies I want to pick. So I'm just going to almost <laughs> have to flip a four-sided pyramid-shaped coin or die. And um, oh, I think one of them I'm just going to disqualify it, so I don't have to think about it since it's really more of a post-war movie. So okay. I am going to go with. Um, I can't decide. I'm just going to pick one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Saints and Soldiers. Um, oh, okay. Since maybe you inspired me to do a little bit of an oddball choice, that really <laughs> wasn't gonna be in my top ten. But I, I didn't want to just keep repeating myself with some of these types of movies. And, yeah. Um, and it's a different movie. It's it's made by a um, oh I can't remember his name. He's a he's a Mormon you know LDS uh, filmmaker. And uh, has L- some LDS actors in it, uh, like Kirby mm-hmm. Hayborn. And it's w- World War Two. Yeah, um, I don't remember when it came out, but it would have been in the Had early two thousand. Couple of sequels, right? Yeah, a couple sequels. Yeah, in fact, I didn't see the. Oh, what was it called? I don't. Remember I remember covering name. one of them where they had a tank. Yeah, this one was the first one. This was the the yeah. one that started all. And I remember an interview where the director talked about how he finished the cut and they sent it to the the MPA, you know, for to get rated and it was rated R. And he was like, 
I found my. I, I, <laughs> That's I, not going to work. He was so funny because he's like, "Well, I've I've always been against radar movies, and then suddenly I found that I had made one." So they had to change <laughs> this. Um, I don't. That wasn't how he worded it, but he was surprised that he made a movie like that. And he had to change a couple, one or two scenes, or make a close up farther. There were just a couple very very minor cuts he did to get the PG thirteen yeah. rating. Yeah. Um, but it's got Kirby Hayborn in it and. Uh, I'm trying to remember the names of the other actors, but it's it's a movie that I liked quite a bit. And I remember it for a very, very small budget, it being pretty convincing, pretty, pretty well done. Yeah, no, it was um, good. I remember I remember enjoying that first one. Yeah. I, I did think that was pretty good. Um, okay, so so what were the ones that didn't make the cut? Okay, I'll, gotta, I'll just tell you. We in our honorable I, mentions. We have a quick, yeah, quick. real quick. So I didn't choose Passive Glory, which is a movie I've talked about before on the podcast, and I'm kind of surprised right. I didn't, but... Right. I think I think my old slot, that 1950s slot, went to Bridge on the River Kwai. Um, okay. But that's a Kubrick movie. You just mentioned Kubrick with Strange Love. Um, I didn't pick Schindler's List, which I almost yeah. feel guilty about. But I'm like, well, I went with Saving yeah. Private Ryan. And we did so much World War II and Holocaust stuff. But to me, right. I mean, that's probably one of should be in my top ten. And then also... Um, the best years of our lives, which is more of a post-war movie. It's how, okay. how people, it starts really after war. So I don't know. I, I think I just disqualified it because it's not really a war movie, but it's definitely about the aftermath and the effects of war on the, okay. on the lives of people coming back. It's a 1946 movie, the American okay. film. Um, cool. And so anyway, what were some of your... Yeah, no. Well, just to kind of echo what you're saying, like, you know, you look over this stuff, and I swear that 90% of these movies are about World War II or Vietnam. That's just, you know, yeah. it's, it really seemed, because some of the ones I didn't choose, Full Metal Jacket, I kind of hinted at, but, but you know, and I, re- I rewatched that one just a few months ago, and it's it's very good. It would absolutely qualify for the list. Uh, good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams, really, really, you know, kind of a mm. fun, but also harrowing, kind of bittersweet movie. Uh, I think we talked about war games before we started recording. We were kind of trying to talk about what would actually qualify, because war games is kind of a fun Cold War. You know, you got Matthew Broderick, and it's about the, you know, computers and the the the, the military computer that almost starts World War Three. Uh, Empire of the Sun, Dirty Dozen, Dunkirk. None of us mentioned Dunkirk. Uh, there was some debate about whether Casablanca would qualify because it is kind of set in World War II. You know, it's really not about World War II. Yeah. Um, I also wrote down Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so so for the sake of just telling us about some new ones, um, I watched a movie at Sundance several years ago called Land of Mine. And I want to say that this is a post... So it's set immediately after World War II as... Captive German soldiers are being forced to clear beaches that had been mined during the war. Oh. But the tragedy of it is that by the end of World War II, a lot of the German soldiers were these boys who were, who were called up just because there was nobody left to send out into the mm-hmm. war. And so it's this really kind of harrowing story about these, these kids who had very little to do with kind of the, you know, the war itself who are now 
putting their lives on the line to go and, and clear the beaches. Um, so yeah, so that one's, that one's a very under the radar one, but yeah. And then, you know, zero dark 30 imitation game, mm -hmm. uh, rescue dawn which is has this really horrifying moment when steve zahn gets his head cut off <laughs> um uh, that's all i remember about that movie uh that was a christian yeah. bale christian bale christian movie, bale right? christian yeah. bale um you know i still to this day have not watched the the full uh adaptation film adaptation of catch 22 but it's one of my favorite books of all time mm. so i can't i couldn't put that one on the list because i haven't seen the movie um yeah yeah Lots I of them, think, but, but like I say, it's it's once I got through those first few, it was just here is a list of really really good movies, none yeah. of which, none of them are like your favorite favorites. Yeah, right, right. I am I am not brokenhearted that I did not include any of those movies I listed on so, my main list. So a bunch that you just mentioned, I had down, um, but Letters from Iwo Jima. I don't know if you mentioned okay. that. Uh, and then Clint I have Eastwood movie, right? What Clint Eastwood is it? Yeah, is that one of the ones he directed? Easter, yep. And he's actually about to do his very last film ever, Juror oh, wow. Number Two. It's supposed to come out this year. And I heard they just wrapped filming on it, so it is going to come out this year. And he's like 91. No, no, it's something, uh, some. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I think it's a fictional movie about a juror who potentially could be the real defendant or real killer. So oh, it sounds okay. almost like a. I don't know how it's going to be. It, it sounds was, interesting. Ori originally, it was going to be called the rural juror. The rural the juror, yeah. To it. Urban fervor. So they had to, they had to change the idea. <laughs> so I, yeah, my trio change of like Navy SEALs movies that I just love, and I actually like the books more than the movies, so I couldn't really pick these movies. But it's okay. Lone Survivor, American Sniper, and Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, right, They're all right. just based on really, really excellent books. Um, let's see. You mentioned Dunkirk, Hurt Locker, Born on the Fourth of July. The yeah. Oliver Stone, Tom Cruise one. Uh, Three Kings. Pretty uh -huh. decent movie. Um, that's more of a modern war movie. Also, we never pick futuristic war movies, huh? They always have to be based on something that's yeah. happened. But, yeah, um, I guess so, huh? I feel like maybe Epic or Gladiator. There there's must be a different category. It's why we don't think of those older ones as much. But yeah. uh, So here's a question for you. Yeah. Go ahead. So, have you ever seen Downfall? I've seen about half of it. Yeah, which okay. I have it, and I, I ended oh, up turning do? it off. I have the movie because I. It was one of those like Hollywood video going out of business things from like uh, okay. seven gotcha. or eight years ago, where you go and buy a whole bunch of movies and hope they're good. And so I bought it for really cheap. Um, but yeah, I I know what it's about. I've seen a good portion okay. of it. So. Well, because I've seen about ten minutes of it, about a dozen times. I know, yeah. <laughs> the because Hitler. it's the it's the Hitler scene that's been turned into that awesome meme. Mm -hmm. That, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's that's why I wonder because I can't choose the movie because I haven't seen the whole movie. I've just seen that scene used many many times. So, did you see? A, okay. Did you see Hacksaw Ridge? By the way. No, I know what you're talking about, and of course, the more we talk, the more I think about. Um, so I, I just thought about another, I think it was a Clint Eastwood movie called Where Eagles Dare, where he actually was the star. Mm. And it's like this, this raid where these, you know, these allied, these guys are behind enemy lines. They're trying to infiltrate some, some German base up at them in the, the mountains or something like that in the Alps. Yeah. Really cool. Hmm. So no, uh, no Hacksaw Ridge though. 
yeah, so uh, check out Guy Ritchie's The Covenant if you want to see a new entry in the war movie genre. Otherwise, you have about 20 to 30 other options that you can choose from based on our list. Yeah. And I guess uh, probably next time we get in touch, we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So until then, take care of yourselves.